0: Christmas, everybody, I hope you've been having a wonderful Christmas morning so far, and I thank you for taking the time to listen to this Christmas message, where I want to talk about what it is that makes Christmas and Jesus as the Christ so important and so worth celebrating. And I want to talk about Jesus being the divine human, which means that he is both God and a man at the same time. But before we get into that, let's begin today by simply reading through the Christmas story found in Luke chapter 2. It says, In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. There are many things that make this event memorable. But I think what really makes it stand out is that it's the opening to the most incredible story in all of human history, the story of how God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to free people from the curse of sin and death. And it's just like any other great stories that have that opening line, things like once upon a time or... In the hole in the ground, there lived a hobbit. You know, all, all of those great opening lines that we're so familiar with. And, and there's really so much power behind just that opening line because we know the story that we're about to go into. And that's what makes this Christmas story so amazing and so wonderful and so powerful is it's the opening to the story of Jesus that Jesus came into this world and he taught the truth of God and he wasn't just a good man or a good preacher. He was the son of God who gave up his life to pay the price of our sin. And Jesus was the only one who could have done that because he was the only one to live without sin. And what Jesus did is something that could not have happened through human effort. I mean, even just in this story, we have that highlighted by the virgin birth. I don't know about you, but I haven't heard of many virgin births in my friends and families. That's not something that happens. That's not something that happens anywhere in the world, all throughout history, except for right here. And it's a, it's a clear showing that this is not something being done of human origin, it's being done of divine origin. That it's the work of God, not the plans of people. And I've talked before about, you know, all of the different prophecies that Jesus fulfilled, and, and there was really no way that anybody could have planned to fulfill all of all of those prophecies because some of them even included where you were born and you don't really have any control over where you're born cuz you're not really controlling much of anything at that point you're a baby you're you're coming out of the womb you have no control over that and and so many more prophecies that Jesus was able to fulfill that was even out of his influence his direct influence showing that This was something that God had set up from the very start. And it was necessary for God to do that because there was no way that humankind was going to be able to save themselves from this curse of sin and the outcome of that sin, which is an eternal death. There is no way that human efforts could free us from the human condition. It was necessary for the divine to step in, for God to step in to save humanity. And that's what's happening here, is God literally stepping into the world in order to free people from the curse of their own humanity. It's something that no one person would be capable of doing. It requires something so much greater than ourselves. I had a great discussion with one of my friends uh, earlier this week, and, and we've had a few discussions along these lines, but particularly one this week where we were just talking about the failure of the human condition and how really there is no person that is capable of dealing with the condition of all other people on earth. There's no possible way for one person to be equipped for that and, and kind of the focal point of what we were talking about, one of the things was this idea of information, especially in the age of the internet. And you think of just how much information is available to us on the internet and not all truthful information either. Some of it is false information. Some of it is kind of pointless information. Some of it is just memes and emojis. There's there's all kinds of information at our fingertips on the internet. And there is not enough time for any one person, even if they dedicated their entire life, that would be able to go through all of the information that is just on the internet up to now. There's no way one person could do that. And beyond that, you know, you think of the internet has not been around for all that long. It's, it's a very small sliver of human history. So if you wanted to have somebody that would be fully prepared to make decisions for everyone across the world, and your idea of how to prepare them was to give them all of that information, you would still be missing out on all of the information from all of the rest of the history of the world, not even to include the hist- or the information that has yet to come up. And even if there was some miraculous way to implant not only all of the knowledge of the Internet, But all of the knowledge in all of human history, and somehow all of the knowledge that will ever be from this point on, so all knowledge that would ever exist, past, present, and future, even if there was some way to cram all of that into somebody's head so that they could make informed decisions, that would still only make up one singular quality of who God is. As one who is all-knowing. They still would not be all-powerful, they would not be all-present, and they would not be all-good. All of those qualities that are found in God. And you think of how impossible it would be for any person to be good and to be able to make right decisions on all things for all people it's impossible for any person but god specializes in the realm of impossibilities and we need to realize that we cannot save ourselves we are not capable of that we have to rely on something that is greater than ourselves and we find that in god in our all-knowing all powerful creator. In order for humanity to be saved, it requires the divine. And that is what showed up in Luke chapter 2. That's what showed up 2,000 years ago. Jesus was God and he came to earth. And then you look at some of the events that were taking place around his birth. Think about those who were able to witness it. The people who witnessed the birth of the Messiah of God in human form was a whole bunch of ordinary shepherds. And the reason that it gives, right, for why they were able to witness this, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby. That's it. They weren't kings. They weren't celebrities. They weren't rich men. They simply happened to be nearby. And because of that, because they were nearby, they were chosen to witness this incredible event in human history. And I even mentioned recently how Jesus with his disciples was telling them there has been countless people who wished that they could have seen and heard the things that you have seen and heard in walking by me. And yet these shepherds got to experience it simply because they were nearby. And that really speaks so much to another characteristic of God, which is his love for all people. See, God didn't require any particular characteristics for people to have in order to witness his birth. It didn't matter who it was. It didn't matter if they were rich or poor. It didn't matter if they were well-known or lived in total obscurity. The shepherds just happened to be nearby. And so the angel went to them to announce to them, Today! A Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah that you've been waiting for. He is the Lord. He is God. Go and see Him. He's right by you. He's close by. You can go see Him. You see, in God's eyes, those shepherds were no more or less important or meaningful than anybody else on the earth at that time. When God looks at us, He's not looking at our titles or our possessions. He simply sees us, and he loves each and every one of us equally. And he wanted people to celebrate in this event that was being done for them, and so he simply invited the people who were close by to be witnesses to it. It didn't matter who they were, because God loves everyone equally equally. That's why he created us in the first place, was out of a desire to have a relationship with us. And so not only do we understand the fallen nature of humanity and its need for the divine, but then scripture also gives us this incredible message that humanity is also loved by the divine. That God looks at us And he loves us. He sees our sin and he loves us. He sees our wars and our hate. He sees our passive aggressiveness. He sees our greed. He sees our lust. He sees all of us and he still loves us equally. It's absolutely incredible. And it is because of that love that Jesus came to the earth. Right? John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he sent his son. Because he loves us so much that he wants to have a relationship with us. A personal relationship. And then to add another layer to this, think about what took place when God created mankind and, and the way that God did it. If we go all the way back to the first chapter of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1, At verse 27, it says, God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So God made us in his image. And the characteristics of God, the things that he loves, the things that he hates, he instilled those things in us as well. And, of course, we were perfect, and then we sinned. We disobeyed God, and then that curse of sin and death fell upon all of people. But there was an attribute of God that remained with us, and that is the desire for relationship. See, God created us because he desired to have a relationship with us. And we as people were relational people And we desire relationship as well. And that's something that we've inherited from God, is that desire for relationship. Now, the reason why that's so important for us to understand is because the relationship that God wanted, that God desires, is for there to be a relationship between the divine and humankind. So it's not just a desire for human-to-human relationship. It's a desire for divine and human relationship. And that is the same desire that we have. And so often we try to fill that desire for relationship with other people. And, of course, marriage is something that God has given to us to help us with that because the marriage relationship mirrors the relationship between God and his people. But even within marriage, if if we are married to someone and we love them and they love us, but God is not in our life, there will still be a hole in our heart that desires for something more. And it's because it is desiring that relationship with God. See, we are created because we have been created in the image of the God who desires for a divine and humanity relationship. Because we are created in that image, we have been created with a desire for relationship with God. And there is absolutely nothing that can replace that need. There is absolutely nothing that can fill our hearts like what that is that we have been created to desire. Only through a relationship with God can that hole in our heart be filled. God loves us and he has made us to love him in return. He doesn't force us to, but he has made us in that way. And he calls us to it, but he doesn't force it on us. It's what we need, but he waits for us to accept it. And in an effort to bring us into him and and to make that relationship with him, to make that restoration with God that was separated when sin entered our lives, in order to make that possible again, we have Jesus, who is literally, as the divine human, the embodiment of what it is that God is desiring. See, we can look at this Christmas story and say, yeah, Jesus grows up and he does all of these wonderful things, but why do we celebrate just his birth? You see, Jesus being born at all, Jesus existing on this planet, is proof that what he, sent out to, what he set out to accomplish was even possible to begin with. Because after sin entered into the world, after sin entered into the hearts of all mankind, there was a separation between people and God. Because God is perfect. God is without sin. And so when there is sin in our life, when our hearts and lives are stained with sin, we cannot remain with God. We become incompatible with God. And yet we have Jesus, who is both God and human. Both the divine and the mortal as one. Showing that reconciliation taking place, one of the names that is used for Jesus is Emmanuel, which means God with us. And he's also referred to as the incarnation, meaning the divine in human form. God with us in human form, even as a baby, Jesus is Emmanuel incarnate, reconciliation between the divine and man. And so it is only through him, it is only through the Christ, that humanity can be reconciled to the divine. It can't happen through human works. It has to happen through the works of God. And this is the work that he did because of the love that he has for us and that longing he has to be in relationship with us, that he uh, put on a human suit, as my old youth pastor used to say. He put on a human suit. He became human in order to do the work that was necessary, that only he was capable of being able to do, in order to make right what we had done wrong. As I said a little bit ago, God created us without sin. When he made Adam and Eve in the garden, they had no sin. And they were meant to live forever. But because they disobeyed God, because they did what God told them not to do, sin entered into the world. And so God that had made this perfect mold, all of a sudden that mold had added something to itself that was destructive. And because of that, that separation took place between people and God. And now people don't match with God anymore. We're not a set. We're not a pair. We're mismatched. If I've got two pieces of paper, and I make just the tiniest little smudge the tiniest little scribble or dot on one of the page on one of the papers it doesn't matter how big or small that blemish is as soon as there is anything that i have added to one piece of paper it becomes mismatched with the other piece of paper and because god is perfect because god is without sin as soon as There is the slightest bit of disobedience or rebellion or anything else that goes against the will of God. In that instant, that separation takes place. And Scripture also tells us that everyone has sinned. And if you say you haven't sinned, you're lying because you're not perfect. We have all sinned. We all fall short of the glory of God. But because Jesus lived a life without sin, and was killed anyway because of the message that he brought, in that process he gave himself as the sacrifice, as the price that had to be paid for our sin, so that that sin, those blemishes that have been added to our life, could then be washed away. That God removes those things from us. And that is the work That Christ has done for us and it's simply upon us whether or not to accept that work that he has already done for us to accept Jesus I recognize who you are I recognize that you are Emmanuel incarnate that you are God in human form that you live that perfect life that you gave up that perfect life as a sacrifice for my sin so that I don't have to pay the price for it anymore and you can remove it from my life so I can have that relationship with you so that that hole in my heart can finally be filled, that that fulfillment that I've been longing for, that hope, that peace, that joy, these things that I have been longing for, the love I so desperately need that I can receive from you and I accept it. And when we do that, when we simply accept the work that Christ has done for us, that separation between us and God is removed and we can receive not only salvation from sin and death, but all of the blessings and, and the fruit that comes from the presence of God that we have been longing for the, in our entire life, whether we realize it or not. And so I want to leave you with the question of how are you going to respond to Christ? How are you going to respond to this divine human of Jesus Christ who came to earth because of his love for you in order to save you because only he could do it, will you accept it? Will you open up your heart and let God in so that he can give you what he has been longing to freely give you since before you were born. And again, I'm not just talking about salvation here. Because my question is how are you going to respond to Christ today? How are you going to respond to Him tomorrow? Not just how have you responded to Him in the past, not just have you accepted the forgiveness of your sin, because God wants to be not just your Savior, but your Lord as well. You're keen not to rule things over you, not to lord it over you, not because he's power hungry, but because he wants to guide you in what is best for you. And you simply have to humble yourself to get those selfish desires, those selfish, destructive desires and habits out of the way so you can receive all of the good that he is waiting to give you. What are you going to do with Christ? Will you let him be your savior and your Lord? He is not just a good teacher, not just a good man. He is the Christ. What are you going to do with Christ? Information, knowledge isn't worth anything unless you act upon it. Take a step of faith, what have you got to lose? And that is why we celebrate Christmas, because there was, there's truly no greater gift that has ever been or ever will be given than the gift of Jesus Christ to all people everywhere. And that's today's Sermon in the Pockets. As always, if you have any comments or questions for me, I would love to hear from you. You can reach me either through the Sermon in the Pocket Facebook page or email me directly at sermoninthepocket at gmail.com. And I encourage you to like this, share this, whatever you need to do to help the algorithm and get this Christmas message out for all people to hear. But until next time, thank you for taking the time to listen. I pray that God blesses you as you go throughout your day, and have a Merry Christmas.